KiwiSaver is a classic one. Everyone wants to talk about KiwiSaver because we all have it, but people don't engage with it. It's like, oh, you know, I've heard other people squawk about KiwiSaver. We get it. It's the stuff like how do you talk to your partner about money, mm. <laughs> you know, in a new relationship or what's the correlation between your mental health and your money and your finances? Let's talk about you, mate. What is it that you do? Why are we sat here? What's, tell us about your life. What's going on? Uh, what do I do, man, on a daily basis? So I, um, I'm a financial advisor, I guess, by trade. Um, I'm one of the founders of an advisory firm called The Money Men, uh, which is my, my business partner, Josh, and I. I mean, I guess it's quite important probably to say we're a very small part of that uh, business, actually. But, yeah, I mean, look, I did my, my time in traditional finance suit and tie um kind of you know the stereotypical world of finance numbers and um slick haircuts and all the rest of it uh and i was actually lucky enough to meet josh there my business partner at the um the firm we worked uh at prior to starting this business and we both kind of aligned in terms of values and decided let's uh you know we we, we kind of aren't heading the same direction as traditional finance. Let's do things a little bit differently. There's a huge, huge gap for just good financial education, like financial literacy. I mean, you know that. Um, so why don't we, I mean, you, I don't know. If, I don't know if you, um, you agree with this, but everyone we talk to in finance, especially when you're young, you know, relatively young, um, it's all, all about talks of slices of the pie. And if you do your time and, um, you know, being in a big traditional firm, the goal is, well, you're taught that the goal should be being becoming a partner and um, getting a seat at the table and all that. And here's, here's, our, big, here's our big pie and you get your slither. Um, and I just got bloody sick of hearing all this pie chat. Like I, I just, I, I was taught to want a piece of the pie and I, and I bought in, don't get me wrong. It's like, yeah, yeah, I do want a piece of that pie. Um, and realizes how bloody ridiculous it was. So I thought, yeah, let's just go and um, design something that's driven by our values rather than talking about pies. Yeah. All right. Pies. What? What? Like, what was that structure? Is it like was it funds under management, or like was it like equity in the firm, or what? What was the pie? Uh, yeah, it was equity in the firm. You know, shareholding. Um, so. You do your time, you tick your boxes, you impress the right old boys, we'll call them, um, you know, and you get the invite to the big round table where you get to make decisions and, and all the rest of it. And from the outside, it looks like that, you know, the, the golden gates you get through there and, and life's good. But um, the more experience you get in the commercial world and the conversations you have with very intelligent people, you realise it's just bloody it's the floodgates, not the golden gates. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, shareholding in the in the business. Oh yeah, yeah, the old dangling the carrots. Uh, you know, one day yeah, if you apply carrot. yourself, yeah, yeah, I need to focus more on because you know, I sit down too much and eat too much. So, so you you said you are a small part of this business. Is it was that suggesting it's big, or are you spinning a few plates? No, I'm suggesting um, my team, our team, is you know are the driving force. We we made a decision early on um, that finding the right people and only bringing on people that align in our values and the whole purpose of our business was 
the big non-negotiable. So what we found, um, and I might, I'm, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but a, a huge lesson. I mean, you, you heard the quote, um, we don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah that Jobs. always stuck with me, Steve Jobs. <laughs> that always stuck with me. And it, <laughs> I don't know if this is me and young and egotistical back in you know, the traditional firm days and thinking I knew better, <laughs> potentially, potentially a portion. Um, but it always really wound me up that any form of innovation and, um, you know, a thought of pioneership was shunned because it was outside the norm, outside the box, just do it the way we've always done it. Uh, and that always really got to me. So we made the decision when we hire people, that's not what we do. And, uh, it's paid dividends. We've got an incredible team and they make great decisions. They add solutions to our day-to-day processes and, um, and, most importantly, huge value to our clients. So that's what I meant by I'm a small part. Gotcha. Well, that's a good thing. This, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's stress and concern, but I mean, a lot of technicians at SFL or business owners is that they they try to be everything and that they try and have control and influence and they don't really scale. Yep. Because um, they're always limited by their ability. And I think one of the most powerful things as a leader is, is the ability to decentralize is to sure you have the mission, you have the values, that's the framework, but then however they deliver that mission is purely up to them, you know, and, and their ability to navigate that uncertainty is one of the most powerful things um, that you can get. Yep, it is. Know, I don't have an Oracle. <laughs> it's a wild ride. Absolutely. If um, anyone in finance had a crystal ball, they'd be a very popular person, but um but we don't do it. No. But speaking of crystal balls, um, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen in the market now? I was going to ask you. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you about like scaling your sort of business because you know traditionally the financial advising sort of structure is you have a decent income, but it's quite hard to scale, especially in the investment planning space. Maybe insurance is a bit easier. Um, yep. But yeah, well, how are you finding that or what's your solution to that? Um, how are we finding it? It's definitely got its challenges. I think everyone, um, I mean, it's safe to assume, but can't confirm it. Yeah, so, I mean, how are we handling it? Our big focus leaving the old firm and starting this one um, was we would be a volume-based business. We wanted to take financial advice to um, everyday people. And I think, I don't know if you agree, but financial advice and financial advisors, an extension have had that that taboo kind of, um, you know, being, all being painted by the same brush. And like I said, it's the suit and tie, the Lamborghini, the whatever it is. Um, and traditionally speaking, or historically, I guess you'd say, uh, financial advisors have been for the wealthy, or at least that's the perception. There is a degree of truth to that too, but we decided, well, we asked ourselves, why is that the case? Does it need to be the case? The answer was no. We wanted to take it to everyday mums and dads um, because everyone has a need for financial advice to some capacity. So an extension that, because traditionally the way it works is, you know, if we look at it from an investment planning point of view or an investment management point of view, the um, larger the sum, 
the more you make. Um, from you know our, our basic clientele, they aren't those high net worth people. Um, so it was a volume game. So you could call that lead generation, I guess. We had the volume coming through. We just needed the advisors, good advisors, to be able to plug in and do the work. Um, and yeah, and we found them. So from a scale perspective, it's just <laughs> I'm I'm trying not to overcomplicate this. With I always go on a rant because um, all my ideas come out at once, which is the um, I guess the downside of being a numbers brain, not a not a literate. Um, yeah, so it's just keeping the keeping the business coming in, keeping that volume, making sure we're delivering our message, um, you know, through a microphone rather than door to door, so to speak. Uh, and then making sure the advisors are all upskilling at the same time and delivering good, good value. And then like any business, if you do a good job, we believe if you do a good job, your business will grow organically to some capacity. Um, and, you know, although that might be very conceptual, uh, it's kind of been, we've kind of proved ourselves right uh, in the short term anyway, in the last 24 months. Um, so, yeah, right now it's actually an interesting question considering the um, the landscape at the moment uh, or the climate or whatever you want to call it. Because if you asked me that question 12 months ago, I probably would have had a different answer. It was foot to the floor and, um, and, and let's get it done. And now it's kind of there's – a, there's a certain element of let's sit on our hands and, you know, I hate the word pivot because um, it's just been absolutely murdered over the last 24 months. But um, – <laughs> But yeah, we, we we did. We slightly changed, and we thought, hey, let's just um, you know pull back the scale a little bit here. Really, really focus on the systems and processes, and make sure every advisor who is you know working their their butt off um, is finding as many efficiencies in their day as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always a balance. Eh? It's like when when there's a famine or a fear or a recession, people sort of tighten up. That's when some of the, the best businesses were ever made is during a recession. But the it's a balance between optimistically eating everything with no food stores yeah. and then just getting cooked over winter. So it's, is that sort of – or is it more just like, hey, we have got this leakage here. Let's maximize what we've got. Or what did you mean by – Yeah, well, it was kind of like – um, it was, it was your, your first annotation is probably – quite a good one for what I was trying to say, what I was trying to deliver was, you know, the food's coming in. Um, we're not running out. Everybody eat. Just just go, 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 and don't stop. And you eat and you move on to the, you know, you have your entree, then you have dinner, then you have dessert, then you have your supper, then you have your midnight meal. All of a sudden you're at breakfast again and it's just not stopping. Uh, versus let's um, let's take a step back and make sure everything we're doing is, is as effective as possible. Because what happens if you look at, you know, let's use just a, we use the word an interaction. Um, if you can do it, you can do it many different ways, right? If I was dealing with you as an example, um, you can be very excited and go into it hot and passionate and know you're going to do a good job, but it might, you might spend four hours doing a job you can really do in an hour and a half. Um it's important to keep that passion. Don't get me wrong, but if we can fit um, two of you into that same four hours um, and have an hour to 
upskill or whatever it is, then that's a much better use of time. So it was just kind of not getting rid of the excitement, but putting a harness on it, mm. uh, which okay. I, I, based on who, you know, I talk to a, I'm a big believer in having a mentor and, um, and, you know, not getting too big for your own shoes. And most of the people I talk to and I look up to, and this is within our own sector and outside of our sector too, it's always the same. It's, um, you know, they always have the same same kind of lesson. It's like you can you can work as hard and as hard as you like, um, but if you don't have good systems and good processes, it doesn't mean you're going to um, you know get better results. Yeah, I I mean I'm a salesman at heart. I've done commissionally selling most of my life, and um and in the sales training component around the, the efficiency of each lead, you know, like I I was quite a nervous awkward fucker still am but i've learned how to communicate slightly better and i would just do volume because we just stop people on the street 40 new people a day and just sell sell, sell. and i do nothing and i just keep going but from a business standpoint it just you know it's a leaky boat sure if you've got you know very effective marketing tools very effective promotional tools you can keep the boat going for a period of time but eventually everything increases the little um, market share that you had the little competitive advantage just closes up and then you're stuck with your leaky boat in the middle of the ocean yep so i hear you on that um it's another great annotation yeah well i've I've read have you heard of click funnels and dot com secrets by russell brunson i have yeah well i realize i'm good at uh, driving traffic but shit at conversion Right. And um, he was talking about creating a, a character, that, an attractive character that's polarizing and speaks in stories. So I'm trying it out. I only read it today. So. <laughs> You're nailing it. Yeah, it's gone well. I'm enjoying it. So, okay, so how are you, how are you, like, because the biggest challenge for financial advisors is client acquisition and staff. Like, what mm-hmm. do you think is differentiating you guys? Like, I mean, I feel like I'm going to leech value by asking that question. So we'll talk about financial advice at some point. But like, what are you guys doing that's leading to the opportunity? Um, I mean, there's a few ways to answer that, I guess, isn't there? So I'll I'll I'll, I'll try two ways. The first one um, is a little bit soft and quite high level, but it is really just living and breathing the purpose like our, our slogan our, our you know tagline what are you going to call it it's just helping kiwis be better with money and we wake up and and that is our ambition every single day it's not go out there and sell as many products as you can it's um you know it's it really is just trying to help people understand their position figuring out what they want to achieve in their life and reverse engineering it so they get that out of life um and that's like I said, organically has helped us scale to a certain point because all of our content, all of our material, all of our advice delivery is based on on that very thing. Um, and that goes a long way. People engage with that. We're very, very careful not to, um, you know, sell. Uh, that's a broad term, isn't it? But because um, there is a certain um, – there is a degree of selling in our, in our role and would be lying if, <laughs> if I said not. Um, it is still a business and we still need to make a living. But look, I mean, there's plenty of business out there and finance is a living, breathing beast and it shouldn't have to be, um, you know, the, the more you sell, the better off you'll be because it's just one of those things. You do a good job for people and it all comes back. 
Um, and I know that's not a, what, is it a cliche? Probably <laughs> might not call it a cliche, but you know what I'm saying. We've all heard it before. Easier said than done might be um, a better term for it, but it's actually not that hard. Mm. <laughs> you just you just be honest with people, transparent, understand what they want, give that to them instead of telling them they need something else. You know, yeah. that's I think something that's um, been a an issue historically, and it is changing quickly. And you'll probably agree to that with all the new legislation, all the rest of it. Um, but the, the financial sector has been really, really good at giving people what they want to give people, not what people ask for. You know, if someone comes in and asks for soup, you sell them a car. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a good distinction. Like, the best marketing is a great product or service, but it's like I hear you on that. I, I would – people would come in and I'll tell them, hey, you don't need me. Like, this is a waste of time. Um, do it, should, should we pay you for your time now? Nah. The, the, re- yeah. the reality is, it's like you're at least in our side of things, and I should unpack your product offering a bit more. But it's, we're we're not selling a transaction; it's not a sale; it's a it's a relationship. You know, relationships built on trust and honesty, and and if you're not doing that from the get go, then you know you might be able to lie and get them over the line and sell them that car when they've got the cold and they need some soup. <laughs> But eventually, you know, that's not going to be a healthy relationship at some point. So yeah, absolutely. What is it that you guys offer? Like, what, what are you doing? The full suite, mortgage, insurance, investment, KiwiSaver? Yeah, pretty pretty broad. Um, so huh. insurance, mortgage, KiwiSaver, investment, and uh, money management or, you know, um, yeah, money management. So, and that that's that's broad in itself. That's like, do you need your first budget? Um, have you been living paycheck to paycheck for the last decade, and you finally want to get on top of it, or is it like you've got a whole bunch of investments because you knew it was good to invest, but you never really knew what you're doing? So it's figuring out what is you know what does the next stage of life look like? Mapping. I mean. I, like every young advisor you come across, that's their dream is to service all markets. I mean, it's it's a challenging business model because you're not niching. You're trying to be all things to all people, but then you're not trying. You don't have to educate the market because you know no one knows what the fuck I do. And even when they meet me, they're like, <laughs> you know, even I don't know what I do. But like, the reality is, is like people sort of associate you to the insurance guy, the mortgage person. They don't actually know what financial advice is. So if you provide everything. But it, like that's a compliance nightmare, though. How did you how did you work that out? Um, so I'll be real transparent here because it was a compliance nightmare. Um, we hired somebody who was just compliance, um, and that was their full time role for a long time. It was getting across all you know service offerings, uh, making sure everything's compliant, and we um, you know got a third party compliance consultant as well for another perspective because you've got to be airtight um but yeah it was it was a it was a bit of a roller coaster and man compliance man i mean you know look i'll be i'll be honest here i work in insurance well we have obviously our our insurance service offering and there's even being on this side of the desk you cannot get around the fact that insurance is boring um you know and we talk about it all the time but what I thought was arguably one of the most boring subjects in the world 
um, was quickly thrown out the window when we got to compliance because, holy hell, it is hard to stay engaged, but so, so important. <laughs> Dude, that, 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 I mean, the average retail person, they're coming in, they're like, oh, you're charging this and that. And they're, they're like, oh, what the hell? Like, But then, you know, the back end and all the effort that goes into it. And, but I think there's an important thing. Have you worked out a way to sell insurance? Because no one wakes up like, oh, I want some insurance. And I was thinking, like, if I had an insurance company, how would I market it? And I was like, well, maybe I could out- interview people about their traumatic lives and stories and then clip that and then share it around. I had no idea, brother. I was like, how do you sell that? You know? Yeah, so we talk about this all the time. It's, it's incredibly difficult to market insurance. Um, I would go as far as suggesting we don't sell insurance. And the reason, I guess we'll take, I'll take it back a step. And um, just touch on your point about being, you know, the one-stop shop, I think, because we said, or the full full spectrum yeah. and not the niche market. And, you know, yeah, it is uh, full on and it's not, it's a jack of all trade situation, but not really. Like I'm not the advisor on, on all service offerings um, and nobody in, in my team is. We have special specialists in each area. Um, and we make sure our systems and processes make sure uh, uh, allow the you know the internal communication to be crisp and airtight and seamless, so that um, you know the consumer or the client uh, doesn't feel that pain. Because there's nothing worse than that. I mean, going back to car sales, I worked in the automotive industry, and the communication between the service sector, <laughs> or the service shop, and the sales team was always one of the biggest anomalies to me. Like, how do you how is that such a problem? But um, the only person who really lost out was the, was the the buyer, the client. Um, so definitely not allowing that happen uh, to happen. So yeah, what happens is when our clients come in, we just we always start with what they want to achieve. And realistically, everyone has some some type of need for insurance. It's outlining that need. If people want to engage with it, great. If they don't, we're not going to tell them they have to. And you know, insurance is one of those things, like you say. So we don't sell it. It's just one of those things. We all have a financial a plate. This is how I think about it. We have a plate of financial risk in front of us. We decide what we want to eat, and we decide what we just want to pay someone else to eat. Um, you know, and everything. As long as you understand the whole picture, it's completely up to you what your risk appetite is. Uh, as long as you understand it, and that's our job, right? It's just that educational piece. And, and like, you know, I'm, I share a similar narrative to you around insurance, but all financial advice, I don't actually, I find it boring. I, I like people. I like people. But that it's really not complicated. The thing I think our industry's done a poor job of is making it inaccessible, like either appears too expensive or it's too complicated. But essentially, you know, an advisor is just a pro- product recommender that part's the easy part, but then the component where you add the value is where you tailor it to achieve the objectives they want in life. And I believe a, a person could do all of it, but the challenge is with the model you just described, where does the relationship lie? You know, like what is it, you know, the, the brand itself? They're like, oh my God, get everything in one shop. Or like, how do, how do you manage that? And they're like, oh, I'm going to call you about insurance and I'm going to call you about your investment. And then, oh, you're a mortgage. You probably shouldn't have an investment if you've got a mortgage. But you're KiwiSaver, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So great question. Um, I would suggest the, the, the easiest answer would be, yeah, the relationship is with the 
the business and the brand. Mm. Um, but reality is, if I look at you know four out of five clients won't have won't have all services, um, and they'll have their chosen one that they're a lot more engaged with. KiwiSaver is a classic example. You know, KiwiSaver most people in the country have KiwiSaver, even those who are the, the late adopters who had a problem with the early days. Um, oh, probably bad timing considering this morning's announcement, isn't it? But, um, but you know, so the relationship will kind of lie with our KiwiSaver team more so than any other team. And there'll be those who come in for a mortgage only, as an example, you know, and or that might turn into insurance as well. Mm. But reality is the mortgage team will hold that relationship Um and and then yeah, across the other side of it is investment. Someone who's has got their property and you know freehold and all the rest of it and everything sorted, but they um, they're interested in investing, so that'll sit with our investment team. Do you do with like similar to um, what's in Hannah McQueen enable me? Do you do the uh, property piece where you're like, hey, you better pay off your mortgage quicker, and you meet every week and they pay you five grand a year to keep the account. No, so we don't do that. Um, <laughs> there is a, it's a hell of a model, um, but yeah. So no, we don't, we don't do that big piece. And I mean, look, there's huge value in that accountability, really, isn't it? Because like you say, it's actually not complicated what you need to do. Everyone has a, already has some, some idea of what they need to do. We, you know, spend less, make more, whatever. That's a, in its simplest form. But it's the discipline and the accountability that um, that's the difference a lot of the time. But uh, no, we don't. Unless some, you know, if someone specifically asked for it, we might be able to tailor something. But um, that's not our not our thing. Fair enough. You, you know, one of the few people I've met that actually has this model. Like, um, I like you, you know, you talk about mentors. I use my competitors as mentors, and we meet up and tear each other apart and say, "Why are you doing this?" <laughs> that's fantastic. And one of them's um Andrew Malcolm from Mortgage HQ. And he's just branched out to Wealth HQ where they do insurance as well. So he, I know I know those guys. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, I like Andrew. Um. So the, it was a challenging model, you know. They focused on mortgages and then they're branching out to insurance. But here's you. You know, how old's the business that you got? Uh, and it's current. The current entity is uh, just over two years old. Yes, fucked. You know what I mean? You're going all in. <laughs> I mean, you've got this in-house consultant and third-party compliance, and then you're doing all the products at once. Do you, are you a trust fund baby? Like, how did you get through this? <laughs> so, no, certainly not. Um, oh, I mean, look, we bootstrapped it. Um, and it's, I guess, if, if you want to, put a term on it but certainly wasn't a trust fund baby i didn't come up with money um i left school reasonably early i wasn't a school guy certainly wasn't for me um i like to play with shit when i was coming through that kind of those teenagers um but yes i i actually um like i said worked in automotive automotive in all forms down in the workshop and then up into sales and um, interestingly enough, that conversation I was having on the um, uh, that that point I made on the lack of communication or the fallout mm. between service and, and um, sales is kind of where I I figured out that I needed to do something different. Anyway, I, I built a business. I sold that earlier than I thought I would. 
Um, and then I got into the finance sector and uh, I got a, the question from a, a finance, my financial advisor of the time. I rang him and said, oh, I've got to change some stuff because I've solved this and, you know, that's how it goes. Um, and he said, what are you going to do now? And I said, no idea. Come up with the next big golden nugget, I hope. He said, come work here uh, and we'll, we'll teach you the ropes and all the rest of it. That was, yeah, it was a long time ago now. But um mm. But I thought, no, yeah, my decision-making process was pretty quick on that one, actually. It was, I don't really have anything lined up. Uh, I know bugger all about the financial world. So worst-case scenario, I leave in 24 months with a bit of education. But, um, yeah, then I actually fell in love with the sector. It was a lot of fun. Like you say, you meet some real cool people um, on both sides of the desk. And, yeah, and then it was all steam ahead. So, um, yeah, my business partner, Josh, and I just bootstrapped the whole thing. Um and yeah, just wow. just went like you say went all in. <laughs> You're still here, so two year mark, brother. Yeah. Um. Well, and you got staff, so you know things are happening, brother. Yeah. It's so, progress. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you have a meltdown every other day, but that's you know a requirement. It's yeah. business. That's um, the 14 hour days could get a little bit old, but that's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel on that. I, I I haven't gone on the business round, but I like to treat it like I am. I've, I've just started a marketing company two weeks ago, actually, so we'll oh, see yeah. what happens there. Cool. I I just I just realised that it's a it's a very hard business to scale. I still have a duty to my clients, so I'll make sure they're looked after. Um, but the, what I thought I'd be a better of services is helping other advisors get clients and and helping with the people and strategy component. As yep. opposed to being the advisor. Um, so at the moment, what I'm doing is helping professional services um, with their marketing. Um, so that helps me learn and do it better as well. And then hopefully that can help feed the financial advising arm once I'm ready to grow that some more. Yeah, cool. Um, so I'll meet you on the 14-hour days. I only do 12 six days a week. So maybe that's what I'll need to step up more. <laughs> Oh, I don't so recommend what, um, it, mate. Stick to 12. <laughs> yeah. I, bro, like, I, if I'm not working, I'm bored. You know what I mean? I have an amazing life. I don't, you know, I don't get why people just come in, do a job they hate to impress the dickhead that they don't even like. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's a great so, question. <laughs> don't get me started. That's a big hole. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, dreams, mate, well, what's, what's the dream? Like, it sounds like you've... You fell into the financial advising space, but enjoyed it. Like, what's the goal? Like, National Capital, they have a goal of 1 million financially secure New Zealanders. Oh, five is um, a sweetheart. Yep, and on to it. Um, what's the dream? So, this is, uh, this is a, a, a good little question because I've always been torn um, – I'll be completely transparent. When I got into finance, when I first entered the realm, I was definitely sold on the dream of the the sports car and um, you know the big the big flash life. Like that was that was the dream growing up. I wanted an Aston Martin and um, and all that and you know house on the beach and all the rest of it. I mean, you know, house on the beach still go down well, but. Um, but yeah, getting into the into the finance sector was actually. The biggest lesson I took from it was that that isn't what I want in life. So the lo- biggest lessons I took were, um, were what I don't want to be. 
which is quite interesting. So the dream now, um, oh yeah, I guess part of that was to, you know, be a business owner. That was always a dream, uh, hence the business being built and sold. And to have a big business, be a, you know, a, a big name. Um, and this is all driven by, uh, you know, testosterone fueled ego as a teenage <laughs> boy. Masculinity, mate. Oh, big time, big time. Um, and, but I, I'm, I'm really grateful I learned those lessons. So, yeah, the dream now is actually just get this business to a point where we don't want it to get too big. Um, our dream is to, I mean, you know, the conceptual line we follow is um, to be a household name and improving financial literacy and, and improving financial literacy in New Zealand. Um, and what we really like about that, because we are big data people, um, we like to measure. It's really important to us. So it's quite interesting that one of the biggest drivers we follow is incredibly conceptual. You know, there's, there's not a real, <laughs> there's not a real, bulletproof way to measure the fact that we're a household name of financial literacy. Um, you can probably ask some, well, you know, someone will tell you they can do it and run a survey over a thousand people and that'll give you the results you need, but um, it's not realistic. So we're driven by that, that concept and that's the goal. What, what does the headcount look like in that? I don't know, 20, 25, maybe 30 maximum. Um, everyone in our business loving their job, everyone earning good money and our clients, uh, you know, pulling all the value from, from that. So we're big believers in happy staff equal happy clients because if we've got our team coming to work every day and absolutely fizzing to be there and to talk to someone and to, um, you know, do a good job, uh, we're going to get better results than telling them they need to be here at 7 a.m. And, you know, <laughs> the whole carrot versus stick thing, I kind of don't believe in either. I, you can kind of see, you can have always, there's always arguments for both sides, don't get me wrong. And it's funny, over my career, I've um, performed better to different uh, you know, different sides over time. There was, a, there was a time where I needed the stick and there was a time where the, the carrot was good for me. And um, now I'm like, it's not enough. It's all about purpose for us. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, the biggest mistake I hear business owners speak about a lot is that, um, oh, why is my staff not as motivated as I am? But it's like, essentially, the I used to do with commissionally selling and management, I used to do the recruitment. So what we would hire on was um, values and vision. So instead of us trying to force them, hey, this is our vision, you should love it. <laughs> we we um we would interview them and trying to find out if our vision would support theirs. Yeah. And then if you've got the values as your framework and with you need a different mental mind map, you need people like you say that you can listen to, but then a value set that unites us and a vision that drives them, then it's really just about maintenance. It's not really about, hey, bad, it's quack. And then oh here's, yeah. the, here's your pie in the future <laughs> one day. Yeah. How big do you want your piece to be? Absolutely. But yeah, you did right. Um, and that's quite interesting because we are big. We do squeal about our, our purpose. Like it's the first thing you see when you work, walk into the office on the wall, um, our value. All right. Well, with all these distractions and rolling with the punches, what would be, you know, the financial literacy thing, a lot of people, um, they want to do it and have tried to do it and suck. Even me, I added money skills. And um, started making content, and I couldn't be bothered. And then um, 
and then I try to get instructors, but like trying to onboard them, they get overwhelmed at using the software. Because essentially the goal was to build a free online learning platform. You can learn about everything to do with money, whether it's business, investment, insurance. And then I'll just use the the traffic and the audience that I build to drive it there. And then people can book a call in with whoever advisor it is. And I'm like, yeah, I just wanted a, a single source of truth for advice. Yep. But it fell flat. <laughs> like I, I just, just creating content for me, it, like uh, talking about finance because it bores the shit out of me. And then trying to get the the instructors to do it. What, what's what's your um your plan to to improve financial literacy? What's the what's the goal? Um. So yeah, content's a hard one. We have always battled with content. It's incredibly important, uh, especially with our goal. Um. I think what I've seen anyway, historically speaking, it's starting to change now and kind of has over the last sort of. Uh, you know, 12, 12 to 24 months, a little bit more, um, is the content's always so product heavy and it's so detailed. And I think that's what makes our world boring. I don't actually disagree with you because I find it interesting, but I don't find it entertaining. Um, I think that's the best way I can put it. So all the content historically has always been so financy. You get a finance guy talking about finance and it's like, shit, even I fall asleep. Um, you know, and then like um, what we found was we really need to pull it back and 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 understand our audience and just give them or help them understand what they are asking for. Like, you know, some of our best fall. And so we, we have a, a show on The Rock um, uh, every every fortnight on Wednesdays and we have a show on George FM every for, other fortnight on Tuesdays. And we do some, um, you know, some ad hoc stuff with other stations. But some of our most uh, or highest engaged episodes um, have been the most conceptual. It's not actually pro- about a product at all. You know, KiwiSaver is a classic one. Everyone wants to talk about KiwiSaver because we all have it. But um, people don't engage with it. It's like, oh, you know, I've heard other people squawk about KiwiSaver. We get it. Um, it's the stuff like how do you talk to your partner about money mm. <laughs> you know in a new relationship or what's the correlation between your mental health and your money and your finances um and what's the bridge to 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 um to figuring that out um and no matter who you is well i mean that's not that's not accurate you can talk to anyone they'll all give you different answers but reality is if you know how you're paying all your bills this week next week in six weeks time um you are going to be happier than if you're not. The whole money doesn't equal happiness thing. I get it to a degree, but it certainly bloody helps. So it's actually just breaking down the whole mental taboo around money. You know, I grew up in a real traditional household, um, middle class. I, I mean, I was privileged. Don't get me wrong. I went to a good school, although I hated it. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't really. You know, I, I never went hungry. Um, but money wasn't a, a, a subject allowed at the dinner table. You know, it was, um, and I talk to my old man about it now and, and why, and he's a, he's a hard, hard worker, um, you know, but he just said, well, it was, that wasn't your burden as a kid. That was mine. It was my job to be the, you know, the breadwinner and to deal with that sort of stuff and an extension take on all the stress and all the rest of it. But, you know, I've learned lessons 
um, you know, like a classic one to um, car loan from the bank when I was a teenager. And uh, I didn't understand what I was doing. I just knew I wanted the car because my buddy got a cool car and you know, I was a 16 year old boy. And I mean, I think the, the loan was three grand, so you can imagine how cool the car was. But um, <laughs> it was only about 18 months after that, that I asked myself, why the hell am I still paying for this three grand loan? And then, uh, you know, read my um, my loan agreement and didn't understand what the hell I was reading. Saw a word interest, thought, the hell does that mean? You know, Googled it, fantastic tool, Google. Um, figured that out and thought, oh, you bastards, that's a real bloody stinger. Mm. Um, but my old man went through the same lesson in, in his teenage years, you know. Uh, so, I mean, you know, to be to can be completely fair. If he did talk to me about that when I was a teenager, I probably wouldn't have listened anyway. But there's a chance I could have learnt the lesson without going through the school of hard knocks when he already had. Yeah, I mean, you you make an important point there. Like, you know, I, I fall in that narrative of oh, you talk about the product because because it's essentially your. I I want the person to take action and be able to execute on it. I don't give a fuck if they come through. I only need eighty clients and I've got a successful business. It doesn't matter too much. Um, but it's just, it's like one, okay, the stories and the entertainment and that personal anecdote you used was engaging. And then if you talk about the principles, the underlying drivers of money, they're probably the biggest limiting component. It's not actually understanding the vehicle use. It's the underlying drivers that are holding that back. But yep. how do you balance the entertainment and then they can actually do something? Or do you just like, oh, we'll do it for you. You know what I mean? I, I want to help the people that won't come anywhere near me <laughs> can't imagine why and they're going to do it themselves and they can do it well you know what i mean yeah i mean we do give out just free information like um you know investing ebooks which have a few providers that you can go and do things you, you yourself you know index fund providers classic example um nice passive investing for for the beginner um, where we don't have to touch it. We don't care if if um, if the result is us getting business out of it or if uh, people are just improving their position. You know, if if it was the prior, I feel like we'd be hypocrites, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? We wouldn't be living by the purpose I've said we are. Classic example is I got asked to go and talk at a um, like a roadshow to other advisors about uh, client experience. And it's one of the, again, a traditional historical thing in finance. It's quite a small sector, especially in the advice sector. Um, you know, I got asked, it was a KiwiSaver provider, and um, can you come and talk to our other advisors around the country about engagement? I thought, oh, yeah, and just kind of tell them about how you um, how you get things done. And I thought, oh, it's kind of a bit of a secret source conversation there, isn't it? It's like, you know, the competitors. And then I thought, well, that would actually make me a hypocrite. Um, if I didn't go and do that. So I did. I went and gave away all our secrets and people can use them. And realistically, that means other Kiwis are getting better results, whether it's by us or not. I don't care. Um, advisors are invaluable. You probably agree with that. I know it's bias. You can <laughs> scream at me all you like about it being biased, but it's 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 reality. Like, I wouldn't go home um, and with bloody, you know, clogged pipes or whatever and plumb, plumb the house myself because it's going to be a disaster. It's not my skill set. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. build a deck. It's not safe, <laughs> you know? 
yeah. wouldn't bloody wouldn't you know i wouldn't bloody change the tires on my car it's just not my skill set i could if i youtubed it as much as i like but reality is financial advisors are there to add value to people <laughs> yeah i mean the, greg uses an analogy the guy i work with he's um you can do your own electrical work but you just might end up as a black mess in the corner but the, exactly right the thing i mean the main thing just from an investment standpoint an advisor does is one making the invisible visible so actually having a clear path to achieve a clear objective but the main thing is at some point shit's going to hit the fan for years at a time you know the market's going to crash could be crashing now don't know and then you just you hold them on course and you know money what it was that survey money and you and they found there was a Oh, yeah. advisors save more they had a better return just because it was more appropriate for the situation and, and it's just about that it's like it's quite a hard for me the thing is i talk about finance only 10 percent of the consultation it's like how much money you have oh here where are the problems oh you don't have insurance oh when you die or you have a breakup you guys are fucked because you got this complex estate plan that i was like why what's your trust going to do for you get that out of the way but it's all about <laughs> what, what do you what do you want from life, you know? And what's a clear path to achieve that? And how do we make sure you're protected um, when things do go wrong? Yeah, um, it's quite interesting because most people at a base level want the same shit. What I find anyway, most Kiwis, I should say. I mean, there are the odd one who is just like, you know, I want to make a billion dollars. And reality is, we'll we'll send them away because that's not our client. We can't help you make a billion dollars. If we could, we'd probably have a billion dollars. Um, but you know, most people want the same stuff, and that's control of their time. Um, maybe a little travel. Property is obviously quite topical. Um, shit, I mean, most, half of our clients just want a new Ute. Sometimes, you know, like. Life isn't that complicated. What we want out of life isn't that complicated, but the common factor is time. Um, so it's just about actually helping people understand what they want. Reverse, like I said earlier, just kind of working it backwards and saying, here's your pathway. Like here's a few levers you need to pull over the next decade and it should, it, you know, it's it's kind of leading you towards what you need or what you want anyway, what you've told us you want. So, And you're right, half my job is being a soundboard. Like you say, when when times get tough, um, you know, KiwiSaver through COVID or even the first six months of this year, classic example, what the hell is it doing? It's like, oh, that's a great question. Has your, um, you know, has your timeline changed on when you need it or are you still 42? Um, yeah, I mean. Oh, yeah, I am still 42. Sweet. So let's just, you know, remember the basics. And it's like, oh, yep, that's a great point. Well, it's just, and it's the same conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, mate. I, I, I try to try to see myself as a great listener i was failing there i started thinking you know you failed when you're thinking of what's to say next and I, I failed for eight seconds there and i was interrupted um <laughs> but th there's things that truly aren't even acknowledged like you know a client not long ago partners got dementia oh god ryan what do i do can we afford care i'm all alone most people don't have much of a support network nor do they have someone that has the tools and understanding to navigate that as well as like, hey, you don't have to pay me anything extra. You're already paying me through your investment. Yep. Or, you know, my partner's got Parkinson's or, you know, they passed away. I've lost my job or, you know, I think, I think that's a very important thing because at some point advice is just a commodity, you know, like you can pick the investment, we're just an overhead. 
So you need to expand your offering and, and how you facilitate them achieving what they want from life. So what's your hedge? I mean, your hedge is you're doing everything and the provider pays <laughs> the insurance and the mortgage and maybe some of the clients pay the thing. Um, but are you thinking about the future and, and, and how to justify the fee you charged and the financial markets authority? They're big on that at the moment. They certainly are. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we think about it all the time and I think it's getting a bit more um, relevant and real now. So those conversations go a little deeper, but they're only beginning to. I mean, like I said, we're, we're 24 months old, so we've had plenty on our plate. Um, from a hedging perspective, don't really have any answers, but our, our first, um, you know, our first, I guess, point of attack is yep to try and make ourselves as indispensable as possible we have got clients with five or six product lines with us and services and um you know they make one call or flick a text through and and everything's sorted so it is just kind of making yourself that that little um that little extra limb of their of their life so we do charge um, fee for service as well starting to get used to it a little bit more, understand the offering. Traditionally, it has been commission-based or uh, management fees, you know, which which are a little bit less confrontational, I guess you'd, you'd call call that line. Um, but, yeah, so getting you, getting into that a little bit more and understanding and, and getting clients' feedback too, which is, like I said, quite early days. That's only been going on a few weeks. But, um, yeah, so we're starting to think about that. Obviously, tech is a a big driver in the sector at the moment. Um, the whole DIY thing, which is incredible. I find it fascinating because if I look at my personal circles, my mates, classic example, January 2020, I would say one out of 10 of my closest mates, uh, excluding myself, invested. Mm. Maybe two, maybe two. Um, now it's eight or nine, you know, oh, well, I should say January, 2020 was one or two, April, 2020 was eight or nine, <laughs> uh, because everyone got locked in the house and, you know, there was some great marketing by some great DIY platforms. Uh, <laughs> and then there was a bloody Reddit storm and then a wave of FOMO came through and everyone was an investor all of a sudden, but over the last 24 months since then, um, oh, I guess it's important to remember investing at a low when the world just went into shut, uh, into lockdown, and everyone, every bloody country in the world closed their doors, chucking money in and watching it grow for the next six months. Uh, a lot of people, even my own, you know, good mates, were like, shit, investing is easy. Wish I did this, um, you know, earlier. This is going to be a dream. Yep. Sweet. Um, 24 months passed and a, a few waves come through, as we know. And um, people understand that it's not all good times. And what are you doing the bad times? And should I have chucked my life savings into A2 milk? Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, there is an answer for that. But um, that's a perfect validation, like a real... <laughs> life validation for people even my my mates that, and i use them as an example because i've known most of them you know since i was bloody five years old 
Um, and you know what it's like. You talk to a client and you, you add some value and they listen. You talk to a mate with the exact same conversation and they think, shut up, um, you know, because we're just too close. But after the last few waves, they've come and they've, and they've told me, shit, man, like, <laughs> okay, I can't do it on my own. I've just been shooting from the hip. Is this something I should be thinking about? Like, yeah, wouldn't you like to know that? Yeah, well, that, that's that's the challenge you face is you've got two generations. You've got the generation that's been scorned from investing, from making a mistake, or the ones that's getting incredible returns and that laugh at yours. <laughs> but I, I think I, I saw, you know, I, so I've lost a few clients, maybe five, which is okay over a few years. But there was one in particular where um they, they called me up, it was... T- 2020 and they're like oh it's ryan i think this is going to be a pandemic this covid thing i was like fucking really what are you okay at least say it is i was like you're gonna be fine it's gonna go down for a period of time could be years could be a sharp recovery we don't know and and they wanted to crystallize the portfolio for people listening i mean selling the investments that they have and i said no let's just hang in um you know give at least two years and if i'm wrong i'll pay the difference okay let's like just hang the fuck in there (laughs) and you know that was a substantial you know 40 percent return or something like that that they dodged the crystallization of as well as the outside and then in the end they decided to to not have me as an advisor anymore because they they felt that they could do it themselves and then they're like can you justify the value that you charge and, and, you know, to take responsibility, my service, I was disappointed. You know, it was through the cracks. It was like we share some clients, and that's why I talk about juggling that relationship. So I take responsibility for that. But it, it's that's the thing that people don't necessarily talk about is that or think about is the advisor, if they're doing their job right, is preparing for the famine and the feast and is trying to achieve a certain objective and is helping you through the seas. Um, when you hit moments like these, or they run away and close the business. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> There's two extremes there. So just, um, yeah, yeah you did right. No, I was just, just going to say, I completely agree. And that's where the value and the delivery of that value um, is missing, right? It's hard to explain that to people in, in a tangible way. Because like I said, in March, 2020 or April, 2020, or whatever it was, when everyone had, invested in something random because they'd open shares and just press the green button uh, and made money and thought, oh, shit, doesn't matter what you're doing. You just chuck money in this thing and it'll spit more out. Um, you know, that's that was the mentality. And th- that's why I think that lesson over the last 24 months, that real life lesson of people trying to do it on their own and, and seeing that it's not all, um, you know, sunshine and rainbows is being nice because it, it, it gets that conversation going organically from a consumer point of view too, not just me telling people, you know, because it's one of those things. It's that, that whole third-party validation thing. Yeah, and for any young advisors listening, one of the best things you can ever do is manage the expectation. You know, it's, it's yeah, what you do on day one that will determine how people react in these moments. Um, and I actually almost try to lose clients at the start. Like, hey, guys, are you ready for a three to four year downturn? It could go down by 30%. And like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm like, cool, just so you know, that's what we're doing. That's why we were saying don't invest for three years because it could very well go down. Absolutely. 
So on that note, with your financial literacy goal, is there some uh, resources where maybe they exchange their email or maybe uh, they have a certain problem they want to reach out to you? They're like, oh, this this bloke, he seems like he's got it worked out. So one-stop shop for financial <laughs> advice. Yeah. Um, so what was the question? What what resources for someone wanting to oh, learn right. do you have? And then um, how do they reach you if they want your yep. um, financial? Um, so, I mean, the website, moneymen.co.nz, uh, there are free, free resources on there. You just tick the box. There's a money management document, kind of some, you know, some concepts around money management and different ways to attack it, a money management tool, which is a glorified spreadsheet that we've made look pretty, um, which, you know, automates your monthly surplus and, um, that surplus is obviously the important bit. You get to play with that, or if there isn't one there, we can help you create it. Anyway, or um, Investing 101 ebook, that's very popular. Everyone wants to learn a little bit more about investing, and you know, the last 24 months have hurt them a little too much, so they want some strategy to follow. Um, yeah, those are the, the three, probably the three most popular resources we have, and they're all just free. Um, so you can just go and request them on the website, and they'll come straight to you. Did well there, mate. My my camera died, it would seem. Um, so anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Oh, it's been a roller coaster today, but it's yeah. been good. Yeah, I've enjoyed <laughs> it, mate. Well, um, I, I'll, I'll I'll stop it there, mate. So thanks for coming yeah, cool. on. Um, and if anyone wants to reach out, I'll leave you a link in the description.